Amen. A few years ago, there was a church here in the United States that lost 15% of its membership over an issue regarding baseball caps. Can you believe that? Let me tell you the story. 15% of the people walked out of the church because this happened. A couple of high school athletes were late getting home on a Saturday night because their team had played in a tournament a number of miles away. And the next morning when they got up to attend worship services, and I'm glad they got up to attend worship services, amen, they didn't have time to take a shower. So they put on their nice clothes, and because their hair was a mess, they wore their baseball caps. And before the worship service started, one of the boys' moms approached one of the pastors to explain the situation. The pastor shrugged it off, saying, ah, no problem. So the boys wore the baseball caps during the service, and nobody complained. But here's how it got a little messy. The next Sunday, even though the boys had plenty of time to shower and get ready, they still wore their baseball caps and they wore them again and again and again. And after the fourth or fifth Sunday, to make a long story short, the elders of the church said to the pastor that he needed to do something about this situation. People were getting all worked up over baseball caps. The pastor was back and forth on the issue thinking, these guys have the right to wear baseball caps if they want to. It's not a big deal. There's actually nothing in the Bible that says they shouldn't wear baseball caps. But the more he thought about it and the more he knew it was going to be a big issue, he went to the boys and asked them to consider not wearing the hats to service. The boys agreed. However, when the boys' parents found out about this, they were very upset. The whole thing snowballed, and just, just like that, 15% of the members of the church left over the issue concerning baseball caps. Aren't we such incredible people? <laughs> Last week, I put the chairs together. <laughs> Praise God. Most of the responses were put in positive, but some were a little upset with me. We put them back, amen. <laughs> uh. Today we're in Romans chapter 14, and we're going to talk about issues that um, we probably need to, to talk about. Before we get there, we remind you of what some of the things the scripture says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Amen? When brothers and sisters live together in unity. It's a beautiful thing where we all have harmony. We all think alike. We all act alike. We all smell alike. We all kind of, you know, dress alike. Everything's great when we all do the same thing. But when we sometimes have a little diversity in the middle of our unity, we sometimes get all bent out of shape, don't we? 
Jesus prayed this prayer in John 17. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Unity is really, really important in the body of Christ. It's a, it's a central hallmark theme that Jesus talked about, that the Bible talks about. It's so important. But in the middle of unity, we have to have diversity. We are, unity is not uniformity. And sometimes what you may agree with, somebody else may disagree with. How do we get along when we disagree with each other? How do we get along when we don't see things the same way? How do we as a church that, are, that is very diverse continue to keep unity in the middle of our various opinions on what the Bible in our scripture this morning calls disputable matters? And what is a disputable matter? Let's read together. Romans chapter 14. And let's... Uh, Let's talk about baseball caps today. Amen? Take your Bibles. Let's stand together and let's read. It's, it's going to be the whole chapter. So hang with me. I think we can do it. And um, Romans chapter 14. And we're going to begin at verse number 1. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything but another man whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down upon him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He regards one day as special, does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat, it is written. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess. So then each of us will give an account to himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling blocks or obstacles in your brother's way as as the one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. 
And don't allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food or baseball caps. All food is clean. It is wrong for the man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who doubts is condemned if he eats because he is eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. It's a good word. In Jesus' name, speak to us. And God's people said, amen, amen. Well, this is a doozy, isn't it? I'm telling you. I'm like, God, you're going to get me into another mess talking about this. You know? But let's talk about what Paul says here about uh, unity in diversity. How do we have unity in the middle of diversity? How do, we, how do we get along when we don't agree? How do we get along when we don't agree? Have you ever disagreed with somebody in church? Have you ever looked at somebody else's life and said, no, 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 they're not doing it the right way? We've all done that probably some point in your life. Some point in your life, in your walk with Christ, you have had times where you have disagreed. And so Paul is addressing some things that I think it needs to apply to us. So let's talk about how we can get along. First of all, the first thing I would say to you today is give grace to others in disputable matters. Give grace to others in disputable matters. Paul says right there in Romans chapter 14 verse 1, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Now I'm going to come back to this idea of disputable matters in a moment. But let's just talk about two categories that Paul addresses here. He divides believers into two categories. If you've been reading the book of Romans. You have discovered that Paul sometimes generalizes things. Sometimes he says you Jewish Christians or you Gentile Christians. But here in verse chapter 14 and 15. He uses a... a uh, he uses a singular, but he's referring to a group of people. He talks about those whose faith is weak. Those whose faith is weak. And then in chapter 15, verse 1, you'll notice, we didn't read this. It says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And so Paul talks about this category of those who have weak faith and those who have strong faith. Now when you read those categories, you might say to yourself, which category am I in? Am I a person of weak faith or am I a person of strong faith? Now be careful because if you read this in context, you will discover that Paul's definition of those who are weak in faith may not be your definition of what weak in faith is. 
He is not talking about somebody who um, hasn't put their faith in Jesus Christ, is not a Christian. He's not talking about somebody who doesn't necessarily have a committed faith. The weakened faith has more to do with how you respond to those who think, don't think like you, act like you, or look like you. And you'll see that as he gives us the two examples that he is going to refer to when he talks about disputable matters. One writer put it this way, and I'll, I'll just get to my notes and see what he says here. It says, hold on, hold on. Um, sometimes I bring too many papers to the, to the desk here. Um, he says there in... Uh, Paul says there are two groups of people in the church of Rome, the weak and the strong. It may be hard for us to wrap our minds around what he means by these categories. What Paul, when Paul refers to a person who is weak of faith, he's not talking about a person who has lesser commitment in Christ. In fact, that person who is weak of faith may be rather a stronger commitment to Christ. The problem or weakness is that they have less insight about how their faith impacts their decisions about disputable matters. In this particular dispute that Paul is dealing with, the person who is talking, who is taking to a much stronger conviction about a particular issue is actually the person who is weak. Touch that. The person who has a stronger conviction about a disputable matter. In other words, I see it this way and everybody needs to see it this way. They are the person with a weaker faith. Where a person who has a stronger faith says, I see it this way but others may see it differently. And it's okay. Did you catch that? So weaker and stronger are not necessarily the way that we would interpret it to be on its first reading. So he talks about that. All right. And then, and then Paul identifies the two examples that he's going to talk about in their day and time. Which he's going to talk about food and about sacred days. The disputable matters that Paul is addressing in the Roman church were about food and sacred days. Could I tell you it's not the same issue today? Okay. It's a different issue. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments. But he says there in verse number two. He says one man's faith allows him to eat everything. Everybody who's in the category of eating everything say I. Okay. So there's some of you that it doesn't matter what's on your plate. You'll eat it. You know what I'm saying? I don't particularly have, I mean, there's only one thing I try to stay away from is lots of sugar, okay? I try to stay away from the desserts and stuff like that because of my diabetic condition. But other than that, bring it on. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. I love all kinds of different foods in all kinds of different places. I like to explore. I like to try. It's all good. But another man, by the way, but another man, notice he says, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. So all the vegetarians out there, Paul's calling you <laughs> weak of faith. 
Now the issue in the biblical days is they were transitioning from a Jewish faith to a Christian faith. From Judaism to Christianity. And all of the Old Testament laws about the diet, about, about what you could eat, all of those things were being, were being dropped for this new freedom that you have in Jesus Christ. And there was this great issue about this, about food. If, if food were offered to idols as a sacrifice, could that food then be eaten by those who believe in Jesus Christ? And, and Paul says in Corinthians, he says, absolutely, if you want to eat that food, it's not really anything bad, even though it was sacrificed to, a, to a, um, an unknown God, it really doesn't matter because that unknown God doesn't really, and it's okay to eat it. But if your conscience says you shouldn't eat it, don't eat it. In other words, it's up to you. That was the deal. So that was the first issue that was going on. The second issue was one man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. They had all of these different festivals and these different special days. Even the Jewish people considered the Sabbath Saturday. We in the Christian church consider the Sabbath day Sunday, the Lord's day. And so there's, there's even debate. And I was thinking about this. We do have some brother and sisters in Christ in the greater church of Jesus Christ that still consider the special day Saturday. The Adventists do that. May the Lord bless them. Amen. Why argue over it? God bless you. Worship on Saturday. It's okay. But this was the issue during that day and time. And so, so John Wesley said one time, he says, in essentials you should have not unity, and non-essentials you should have liberty, and all things you should have charity. There are some things in the church of Jesus Christ that are essential for us to have complete unity on. In other words, we're not going to water down the truth. This is the word of God to us. Amen. This is God's word. And there are some things that God's word says that are essential that we must have unity on. For example, we believe that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the son of God. That he died on a cross. That he rose from the dead. That he ascended back to the father. And that our faith is, we believe that we are saved by faith by putting our faith in Jesus. That's an essential for us. That God is the God of the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There are essentials that Paul says to us that we all must agree upon in order for us to have unity. He's not saying that we just, you know, believe whatever you want and just wash it all down and go to your separate ways. He says that's not a disputable matter. There are certain things that are essential. There are some things that are non-essential. For example, in the church of the Nazarene, the church that you, that you worship in, the mode of baptism, we're going to do some baptisms today, the mode of baptism is not essential for us. Baptism is essential, 
but the mode of baptism. In other words, we believe the best way to be baptized is immersion because it gives the full impact of the story and the picture of what baptism is all about. The old is gone. You are buried with Christ. You rise with Christ. The new has come. So as you go down into the water, you are demonstrating the old life is over. The new life has come. But there, I've done occasion that there have been some people who says, I can't be immersed in water for health reasons or for other reasons along the way. And we will take water and we will pour it over somebody and baptize them in the name of Jesus. I have even gone to the bedside of somebody who was about to die and they gave their life to Jesus and they wanted to be baptized and we sprinkled water on them. The mode is non-essential. The baptism is essential. Amen? In all of our beliefs, no matter if you say that this is not the word of God, and that whether you say that this is, that I believe in a, in, a, in a different God, or I believe in no God, guess what? We're still going to love you. In all things, we're going to love because God calls us to love one another. And so therefore, if somebody walks into church this morning and they said, I'm here today, but I don't believe anything you're preaching or teaching about, I'd say, welcome, we're glad you're here. You don't have to believe like us to be accepted and to be loved. We welcome you with arms that are open wide. And so this principle of essentials, unity, non-essentials, liberty, and all things charity is essential for us. John Wesley said that. St. Augustine said that. And lots of other theologians have said the same thing. It's the, it's the spirit of the church. The church of Jesus Christ, if you don't know this, is one of the most tolerant people on the face of the earth. We really are. We love all people. All of us were sinners. All of us were broken. All of us were going our own way, yet God still loved us. And we should love all people, even if they don't look like us, smell like us, or act like us. So, with that premise, what is the disputable matter that Paul talks about here? I gave you a definition in your notes Disputable matters are issues on which the Bible does not give a clear directive. Okay? Doesn't give a clear directive. We're not talking about lying, stealing, or adultery in which God's word is abundantly clear. We're talking about matters of conscience in which God has given us freedom. And there are lots of things that the Bible is not clear about. It's not 100%. It's not the purpose of the, of the scripture. It wasn't addressed. And so therefore, like baseball caps. I mean, yeah, there's probably some sayings in there about women keeping your head covered, that type of thing in the scripture, you know, that were culturally sensitive in those days. But there's nothing about wearing a hat, although our culture says it's disrespectful. So I get that. So what are disputable matters today. Each one, the scripture says, should be fully convinced in his own mind. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind 
about disputable matters. Now, there are some things in my life that God has given me convictions on that I consider sin for me that may not be sin for you. You have some convictions in your life that for you to do something would be sinful. For example, for me, I, it would be, I would feel like I was sinning against God if I drank a glass of wine. It, 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 would, it would wreck me. Very early on, I made a vow to God that I would be abstinent about alcohol. I actually was taught in a church that was the best way for Christians to live. I still believe that, amen? It's a, it's a, it's a conviction in my heart. But I've pastored now for 30 years and I've known some wonderful Christian people who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength who have a glass of wine once a day. And for me to say that they're not a Christian, for me to say that they're not a believer, for me to say that they are sinning would be wrong for me to do because I would be stepping into the realms of being their judge and jury. God's able to do that, amen? amen? And so you must be fully convinced in your mind about disputable matters. So, what are some of the disputable matters today? This is audience participation time. <laughs> Can I have some examples of what you would consider Disputable matters. Remember, disputable matters are things that the Bible do not have clear, precise, absolutely certain kind of, uh, of, of clarity about. Lying, cheating, stealing, murder, adultery, sexual immorality. I mean, the Bible is pretty clear on those things, okay? Now, you may disagree with the Bible. That's a whole other issue, okay? But if you, if you take this as his word, what would be some other clearance? Take two or three people around you, talk about it amongst your group, and come up with, let's come up with five things that we would consider disputable matters today. Go ahead, talk, talk amongst yourselves. Come on. You online, would you do the same thing? Would you write down a few of those things that, that you would consider disputable matters? Some of you are not participating <laughs> That's a disputable matter. <laughs> all right. That's enough. We got it. We don't have it all day. Can I get a couple of volunteers? <laughs> yes. Vaccinations. Oh, there's one. Thank you very much. Amen. There's one. Women should not cut their hair. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Politics. Politics. Yeah. That would, that's definitely disputable, isn't it? <laughs> yes, Noelle. Makeup. Cosmetics. All right. Very good. All right. What about you? Modesty. Although the Bible does talk about some modesty there, right? So it is, it is got, there is some clarity there, although it's an interpretation today. Yeah. 
Culture does change what is considered modest and what is not considered modest. Yes. Tattoos. Hmm. Does mention it in the scripture in a few places, but I would say that is a disputable matter. Yes. Entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing. Okay. Very good. Yes. Donna. Women in ministry or in the pulpit. Yes. Very good, very good. Anybody else? How about, you know, back in the day, oh, you got one right over here? Yes. Gambling. Ooh, okay. That might be disputable for some and might not be disputable. Again, we might have a strong conviction against that. Personally, for me, gambling would be a violation of my stewardship of God's money that he's given to me. I waste it if I gamble. More than likely, yes. Movies and playing cards, yes. You know what? You guys got my entire list here. You got them all, all right? There's one more that I, that I was on my list was um, Bible translation used. I remember sitting in a church one time when I was in the military and the pastor preached that the King James Version was the only version and I took my NIV and I went, and I slid it under my lap. I was like, oh, I'm in, the, I'm in the King James Version church. Okay. How about, um, how about uh, you know, the music you listen to? How about sports? How about what you do on Sunday? See all these things? You see how much we all have different views and different ideas? So we may not be dealing with food as a major issue, although sacred days may be a, an issue there. But what are disputable matters? So how are we to do it? What does the Bible say? There's a few things Paul says to us. First of all, don't look down upon somebody you disagree with. Don't look down upon somebody you disagree with. He says, the man who eats everything must not look down on the him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. By the way, notice here in verse number 3 that it says that God has accepted the person who doesn't eat and the person who does eat. That God has accepted the person who wears the cap in church and the person who doesn't wear the cap in church. Whatever the disputable matter is that sometimes are, do not go to the level that we need absolute essential unity on because the scripture clearly teaches that. We have, we have freedom to have diversity of opinion and diversity of action. We have to not look upon the other person. I remember when I was a young pastor, Mildred Lape. Mildred was a little old lady. She kind of looked like Lita. Sweet as Lita is. <laughs> and Lita, Mildred said to me, I was a 27-year-old pastor. She said, you know, back in the day, if you walked into church and you were wearing jewelry, we considered you a sinner who did not know Jesus. I was like, whoa. She goes, we were wrong then. That is looking down upon somebody and making judgments upon somebody based upon a disputable matter, not upon something that the scripture says. So 
So he says, God has accepted him. You should too. You then, why do you look judge, judge your brother? Or why do you look down upon your brother? All of us, at some point in our life, the longer you're a Christian, the stronger your convictions become, and the more you walk with Jesus, the tendency is we become less and less tolerant of people who don't necessarily act like us. And we can become unloving towards them and judgmental and have a holier-than-thou attitude. We have to check ourselves. Say, Lord, I'm not the judge. Don't let me look down upon somebody that I disagree with. Here's what he's second thing, third thing he says, let God be the judge. Let God be the judge. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or fall, he will stand for the Lord, he is able to make him stand. And he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Don't play God in another person's life. Boy, I'll tell you, sometimes I wish I could. I wish I had the power sometimes to just play God in somebody else's life. I love what uh, another writer said. The Greek word in the second sentence here, which is to, to, um, to, to, judge someone else's, to judge someone else's servant, this word judge here is a word that says... To despise someone or something on the basis that is worthless or of no value. Clearly we have to have standards of conduct. And we've been commanded to hold one another accountable. Remember that Paul even counseled the Corinthian believers to put the sinning man out of their congregation until he repented from, from evil. Remember the story in the, in the book of Corinthians there was incest going on. That was happening within the church and the church was tolerating that. And Paul writes the letter and says, you can't tolerate that kind of sin going on in your church. Either that man repents of his sin or he's gone. You cannot allow that. His purpose was to protect the integrity of the congregation until the man repented and could be restored. This act of tough love was also for the benefit of the man. This is not judging as Paul defines it here in Romans. Judging in this sense of the world has no positive element. It can only be negative and cruel. This kind of judging pre presumes to appraise the value of another person based upon a flawed human standard. And our ability to judge has several shortcomings. What are some of the shortcomings we have as judges on this planet? First of all, we're not omniscient. We don't know everything. Our judgments don't always go just to the facts, but based upon what we perceive to be the facts. We're not objective, so our judgments are tainted by self-interest. We're not perfect, so our judgments are hypocritical. And we're not God, so our judgments are, no, we have no jurisdiction to make those judgments. So God wants to make it clear that we should not be playing God. We should not be judging somebody else's worth or value based upon what we think it is. We have no place to do that. 
do not take too gloomy a view of your fellow Christian chances of salvation. The grace of God is sufficient to uphold them. I've heard people as pastor over the years say, when somebody dies, they say, well, I wonder if they're in heaven or not. Well, they will never be in heaven. As if they know. Who are you to make a judgment in those matters? Who are you to judge somebody's eternal destiny? Who are you to know their state of heart, state of mind, or what was going on in their life? All of us should be slow to judge and quick to love. God's grace is actually bigger than we give God credit for. Sometimes we shrink the grace of God down to our comfort level. But God's love is actually much bigger than we could ever imagine when he says, while we were yet sinners, enemies of God, he died for us. He loves you. So don't take too gloomy of a view of your fellow Christian chances of salvation. Who are you to judge someone else's servant to his own master? He stands there. And I love what he says there. He will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. That's a pretty positive statement, wouldn't you say? In other words, you can't judge it. And by the way, if they're struggling, God is able to help them. Praise the Lord. God's able to give him strength. God's able to give him hope in the middle of it. Well, one more. Well, let's go on. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat, it is written. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Here's the good news. All of us will be accountable to God. I don't have to be somebody else's accountability before God. Fred, you wrote me an email this morning, and in that email, what did you say? Do you remember? You don't? Let, this, is what, this is what Fred wrote me this morning. I got, I got, to, I got to show you. I, I've got my email right here, Fred. So here, here's what Fred wrote me. When Fred Klepper writes you an email, you should listen. Good morning, Pastor Kevin. Really like this thought from Enduring Word Commentary. Stop worrying about your brother. You have enough to answer for, Je for, for yourself before Jesus. Whew. Lifting you in prayer this morning. Amen. Oh, that was, that was Jerry who said that. Oh, it says Fred on top and it says Jerry below. Jerry, thank you very much. Amen. You're, you're, you're actually the most intuitive one. He's not as quite as intuitive as you, right? <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I think we worry about others too much. I, now, now, we should worry. On the one hand, we should worry about somebody's soul. We should pray for them. We should encourage them. We should be lifting them up. But we shouldn't be doing it in a condemning way. Because we know what happens when somebody feels like they're condemned. You build a wall. You build a wall, 
and you build it stronger and stronger and stronger the longer they feel like you have contempt in their life. You're looking down upon them. You could have your concerns, but keep your concerns to yourself and pray. And when God gives you an opportunity to speak, that he directs, speak with love, grace, mercy, pointing them to Jesus and his great love. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Amen? Here's one more. Don't be, don't be a stumbling block. Instead, make up your mind to put any to make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. I, I don't have time to really address this in its fullness today. I mean, we're going to pick this up next week a little bit, but let me just say this: there are convictions you have in your life that are so strong for you that you believe that if you to to do this something, it would be sin for you. And when you take those convictions which go beyond the written letter of the law to more the spirit of the law and you begin to push it on some other people, you can cause them to stumble. If you have a freedom and your freedom is, ah, no problem having a glass of wine for me. But you take that glass of wine and you drink it with a brother who's struggling with alcoholism and you become a stumbling block to them that they fall or they go away from the Lord. We want to give up our freedoms for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We give up our freedoms so that others might know Jesus. Why? Because that's the loving thing to do for our neighbor. We love our neighbor. Years ago, there was this, when I was in my first pastorate, there was this convenience store on the main drag. In the convenience store on the main drag, I went in to buy a newspaper one day, and as I bought the newspaper, the Lord, I looked across the uh, aisle where the newspaper, and there were all these pornographic magazines. It was back in the day when pornography was just a, was a written thing. It wasn't videos and stuff like it is today. And the Lord said to me as I was buying this new newspaper, the Lord said to me, Kevin, I don't want you to buy newspapers anymore. Actually, I don't even want you to go into this store anymore. You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and your life is public. And I don't want you to live your life in such a way that you could be a stumbling block for somebody else. So you know what I gave up? I gave up going to that store. Not so much for myself, but I gave up going to that store so that I would not be a stumbling block to somebody else who saw me going into that store. In my early days of ministry, I would not go to the movie theater. Not so much that I had a problem with the movie theater, but I didn't want anybody to have the impression that I was going to watch movies that were not good for my mind and my heart and my soul. And I didn't want to be a stumbling block to other people. So I gave up watching movies in a movie theater. Today, by the way, I do go to the movies. 
But could I tell you one of the convictions I have? I won't go to a rated R movie. First of all, I've been to some, then I go, this is really, it's not that it's tempting me, but I'm like, it has no value. It, it doesn't do anything for me. But if I saw you go to a rated R movie, it would be wrong for me to judge that you're not a Christian. Have I been to a rated R movie in the last 30 years? Yeah, I've been to a couple. The movie with Jesus being, I forget the name of it, the last, the Passion of the Christ was rated R. It was graphic. There's some, been some war movies that are, I love war movies and been to a couple of those. But by and large, I've been tried to stay away from things that I know are bad for me. You've got to make those same decisions. Ultimately, Paul is saying, make up your mind not to be a stumbling block or an obstacle to your brothers. Okay? Not to be a stone. Parents, your kids are watching you. And they're young in their faith. Model for them good Christian behavior and actions. Model. Go on the side of being more conservative so that they will not be tempted to do something wrong. I've seen some young people get caught up in being drinking and drinking excessively and getting into great harm because they watch their parents drink modestly. Their parents were wonderful Christian people, but along the way, their kids grew up in an environment where alcohol was just, was there, wasn't abused, but they didn't know how to handle it. Whatever it might be, Paul is trying to tell us, you've got to be careful on these areas. You've got to be careful. Don't judge, don't be a stumbling block. Don't judge, but don't be a stumbling block. Amen? It's kind of a, balancing act on these disputable matters. Well, let's stand together. 9.42. I think we got time to close the song, guys. Come, let's sing. I probably botched that up more than I did anything good there. That's good, Robin. Thank you. Father, thanks so much. Lord, I pray that we would continue to wrestle with these issues. I pray that you would help us as we just go back and dive into your word, that you will teach us and remind us of how we live this, in this world in disputable matters. Give us convictions that are strong, but help our convictions not to be so strong that we begin to be holier than thou better than others, looking down upon others. Help our strength of conviction not to lead to condemning those who may have different viewpoints on these disputable issues. Lord, we need you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for that email, Jerry. Sing with us. Yes, Lord, no matter what our opinions, Lord, 
Would you help us to bless one another and desire good for one another? Lord, bless you. that's a good way to go. Amen. Send it out with one more story. Remember a young man who came and got saved in the very first church I got, I pastored. And as he left the altar, he went back to the small foyer in the back, pulled out the cigarette and lit it up. I looked and I said, oh no. So I said to my best usher, I said, you go stand beside him and make sure nobody tells him to put that cigarette out. I don't want that to be the issue. Amen? You can't be a Christian and smoke a cigarette, can you? All in favor of being a Christian and smoking a cigarette, say aye. Ooh, we didn't hear that in church too often, did you? you Got to let God deal with those things, folks. Amen?
Jesus didn't say, come to Jesus and put your faith in him and give up all your vices before you come to him. He said, come. Put your faith in Christ. He saves you. God accepts them. And then God grows them. Amen? Hey, bless you. See you next week. Or stick around for this wonderful baptism stories.